Tyler York doesn't try to answer the question, what do agents need? That's what most brokerages do. That's the wrong, wrong question. It should be, what do consumers need from agents? If we can identify what the consumer actually needs, what that agent actually needs from a brokerage gets really focused very quickly. Hey everyone, Michael Conrad here with the Business of Homes podcast. Today, we're going to be taking a look at a support structure in real estate that gives us all the ability to sell real estate, and that is, of course, the brokerage. And so today, we are joined by Charlie Peterson of Tyler York fame. Um, and I am very fortunate because Charlie and I sort of got into the business around the same time, and we were both cutting our teeth um, early on and just kind of putting our nose to the grindstone. And I was very fortunate because I got to see that Charlie made some very interesting and intentional moves that were counter to probably a lot of the advice that he was getting early on. And because of that, it has ended up in what I would consider uh, serious identifiable success. But the tactical nature of how he went about um, those early years to, to learn the business and then make your movement into owning a brokerage um, has truly been very different than a lot of what we've seen in this area. And Charlie, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, well, hey, th thanks for having me, Michael. I appreciate it. And just even hearing you talk about the tactical, like calculated moves I've made, <laughs> I'm not even sure if that's true because I get like, this, you know, five and a half years later of being a broker owner, it, it looks like I've made some smart plays, but it honestly feels like just from early on, I had some naive ideals where I was like, I think this is the best way of doing something. Why don't I just do that? And it, it ended up just being like a consistent failing of Ford until I figured out like, oh, maybe other people want to do this too. And then it kind of worked. Yeah. Failing forward is a phrase that I continue to bring up, not only for my staff as I'm trying to inspire leaders, but it's something I just try to say for myself because yeah. it's a good reminder that we are not guaranteed success, yeah. but we can guarantee movement. Well, you're, you're very kind in your, your introduction. We're, we're very grateful to be where we are as a company. And, and for myself, just, uh, I'm standing on the shoulders of several giants that have kind of helped launch me here Amazing. along the way. So, uh, but, it's, uh, but you do sell yourself a little system. short in fairness, because one man's ideal or sort of naive visions yeah is another man's careful sort of adherence yeah. to a set of philosophies and a set of truths. And so you said, oh, you got to be naive and, and hold on. Well, you did. You held on to it. This sure. isn't the story where after a couple of years, you gave up on those ideals and did something different. Correct. This is the story where you took those naive ideas and you held on to them, even when you weren't an owner broker I'm, right I'm away. I'm just too stubborn to quit. Well, there you go. <laughs> But those got more clear, uh -huh. they yeah. got more codified, yeah. and in turn, they went from the ideals of a young affiliate broker who was learning the business, and when I met you, you were the man willing to assist anyone with any mm. task, and very smartly and adeptly, mm -hmm. you were learning the business. Oh yeah, man, I was watching, watching anyone like who, who was at the top. Yes. Yeah. And carefully selecting the people to connect yourself to, to yeah. be able to get those skills, and then all of a sudden, it felt all of a sudden, I'm sure, to a lot of the folks that were to, didn't know you, you popped up on the scene, had a broker's license, and were going an entirely new direction, not with a franchise, into your own space, right. which felt, I would say, for you know, a lot of people on the outside looking in, uncomfortable, like, is this even going to make? Or are you going to be some like little tiny boutique thing in Nowheresville? You know, it, uh, my neighbor, Jake, describes me as someone who would win the award for um, someone who's not fearful when fear is actually warranted. Because when I, when I stepped out and launched Tyler York, looking back now, I was like, oh my gosh, like that was, you know, that was, that was a big move. At the time, it did not feel like a risk at all. It was like, I, I just trust myself. I know what I'm capable of. I've done it for this other company. I can do it for myself. Sure, why not? Yeah. And then once you start it and you get six, six months in and you realize that that feeling of doing more than 40 transactions a year and being a very successful agent. Then you start a company and now you have managing broker on your business card and you go, Oh shit. Like I don't actually know how to do the job that I'm doing. I'm starting over. And that imposter syndrome oh, yeah. comes in hard. Uh, so it didn't feel like a big risk at the time. And then later it was like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? And then you settle into that new role and realize, um, you know, who do I need to be? 
for the consumer and then for agents and uh, what kind of leader am I and want to make sure that the values I'm portraying through running a business match my ideals for why I started this dang thing in the first place. Okay, so you're asking this really important question that I'm sure isn't unique, and that is, who do I need to be serving, uh-huh. and like, what are the values that I need to be bringing to bear yeah. to make sure I'm serving those people? And I feel like a lot of brokerages are asking, how do I serve uh, the agent? What does mm-hmm. the agent need? But you aren't asking those questions. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's a bad question for brokerages to ask. I, I just, I think it's the wrong question. Hmm. Okay. I, I, it's, it's a good question to ask if your goal is recruiting. If you want to become a big company, yeah, what tech and um, compensation programs do I need to have that's going to attract the talent in and retain? Okay. Like as, as business leaders, good question to ask. Uh, my ideals for the industry uh, would be a different question. Brokerages should be asking, what does the consumer need from our agents? not what does the agents need from us as brokers. So what I had built my business around uh, when I was selling full-time was a very hyper-specialized, local, high-trust business model where, you know, probably two and a half years in, um, maybe 30, 45% of my business was all within like a five-mile radius of where I was, Hmm. of where I lived. And I loved serving this small community where I, it's not like I'm saying, oh, I specialize in Davidson County, Williamson County, uh, the Governor's Club, and the Gulch. It's no, hey, I've built a specific product for you, for this community. It's why I'm in real estate to serve you, this specific community. Uh, can we work together? Can I provide you value? How can I best do that? And then, you know, for anyone listening to this, if you can start with those questions and identify who are your people. What do they need from you that no one else could provide because of your talents and your passion and your skill set? And then just give it to them. Just provide value, provide value, provide value. And then every now and then throw a right hook and say, you know, I'd actually love to be a realtor too. Hmm. Ask for the business. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about some of the most basic tenets of business. And that is we're always meeting a need. Yeah. That there is uh, profit born, not only in risk, but in meeting a need. And so that stepping out, there's the risk, but that asking those questions and sort of foreseeing what the market is requesting, mm-hmm. that's the meeting the need part. And those connections together, that's business and really in any vertical. Yeah. And I think more realtors should be asking those questions. It's, this, is cra- this is crazy to say. Okay, so just gear, okay. gear up for this. All right. Most people are not going to hire you because they saw you on Instagram. Whoa. Are They're you not. serious? They're not. Now, there are agents... I have a couple in my company. Marie Lee at Move Me to Tennessee might be the most successful agent in the state of Tennessee of capturing out-of-state buyers. It leans into her talents and her passion. That's what she has built her business around. Very few people could pull it off, okay? Most of the time where you're going to build trust is belly to belly. It's, you know, it's the people you're doing business with are you sponsored a popsicle stand at the neighborhood pool party and you met every single person there and then you followed up with them and just said, hey, thank you for being a part of this. And then every month you're providing a CMA on the neighborhood Facebook group and saying, hey, I don't want anything from you, only everything for you. Here's what's going on. And maybe you're writing market reports. I mean, you might be doing any number of things, providing a, a, a general contractor list, a vendor list, promoting other people in your community. If you're promoting other people who are also within that same sphere, why not just build trust and let that rising tide raise all ships? Mm. It's, a, it's a really fun way of building business when everyone you're working with, you don't have to build trust with. You've already done it. It's like, if I'm going into a listing appointment, I'm not interviewing. I'm going there because they already trust me. Or even if I am interviewing, I'm just assuming the sale. Why would they not work with me? I'm literally the most qualified person in the world to help these people sell their house. Because you've specialized in a niche. And I can sit, sit across the dining room table for them and and hear the story. What's the vision? Where are we going? Why? What are y'all looking for? Okay, great, great. Well, let me tell you, I'm the most qualified person in the world to do, help y'all do this, but don't hire me because of that. My, you know, here in my folder, uh, my reference sheet is in there of my last 30 listings in this community. Don't hire me. They'll take your call. Anyone here will take your call. Let me tell you about my system and, and why I've developed a skill for why I'm good at this. And that system that you're developing in that mm-hmm. motion it's hard to come by and really needs the tutelage and instruction sure. of a brokerage. And so how are we seeing a difference between the brokerage that you're building mm-hmm. versus the brokerage that other people are building 
around what the consumer needs as a pass-through value of what agents should be providing and sort of you sculpting in them mm-hmm. versus what are the needs that agents sort of are needing for their business? Well, I, generally speaking, I say brokerages don't think this way. They're not necessarily helping their agents build an irreplaceable service to a niche market. They're not doing that. As long as their agents are producing, generally they're happy. Sometimes, even if they're not producing, sometimes brokerages are happy because they're collecting monthly dues or whatever. So I can't speak for other companies, but at my company, it's right when someone onboards and generally during the interview process, I'm learning who are your people? Are we crystal clear on who your people are that you're trying to serve? What do they need from you? Now, how are, they gonna, how are you going to reach them? Mm. If we can get there, now all you have to do is put in the work. Most agents are, oh, let me just try and put in the work. Let me go to these broker opens and show people that I'm, I'm doing the business. And they're working really, really hard and not selling any real estate. Which is interesting because effectively what you're getting at is it's not equipping you to be generally good at practicing sure. you know, a profession. It's helping you begin to center in on What's your brand? Mm-hmm. What's your sphere? What's your niche? What's your specialization? You're focusing really early in the conversation on specialization and sort of brand management mm-hmm. when I don't see that probably a ton. And that we know this is good because we see this in other industries where we know we can't be relevant to all people and we know we need to stand out yeah. and be different. And so this brand piece about you know what other people say about you, it has to be molded and sculpted and sort of carefully curated. And if you're only merely being equipped to know the legalities and the ethics of contracts or negotiation tactics or even where the best to find the best land, who cares? You know, all (laughs) of that stuff can probably be learned on the internet um, and probably be taught at almost any brokerage. Yes. And generally speaking, like the larger the brokerage, the, the more I lose trust because the problem in the market is saturation. Yeah. Okay. So it's um, like you were just saying, I mean, what we were taught in the licensure process and code of ethics, just because you spend a ton of time in the classroom doesn't mean that you're a great agent. Who are you building trust with and who are you on this planet to serve? I'd rather get to the core of that. Let's say, and that's different for every agent. It's why real estate training is generally bad because it's, it's kind of, it's usually in this one size fits all format. Okay. Real estate training is overrated. Real estate coaching that is specialized for that agent where you can identify what do you want to do? What do you want to grow? And sometimes that's geographical, community-based, neighborhood-based. Other times um, it might be by property type or working with investors. It could be completely different. But Man, I love this idea that there is a big difference between training and coaching. And yeah. those terms are certainly used interchangeably um, in the grander business world and certainly in real estate where it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to be doing some training or I'm going to get some coaching or I'm going to see a coach who's doing some training or whatever uh-huh. mix of words. But this idea that there's training almost insinuates that there is a predetermined format that you are now applying yourself to or that you're trying to fit within. Whereas coaching has this sense of like, hey, you're a specific player with a specific set of skills on a specific team and I'm going to work to make you the absolute best that you can be in your specific thing. You're not going to be a point guard you know, and a forward at the same time. You're not sending the the kicker and the quarterback to do the same workouts. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so this idea of coaching at a brokerage level becomes a way for a brokerage to set itself apart. Mm -hmm. And, And I really think that this idea that brokerage is not service and value and um, sort of methodologies, but Mm -hmm. you know, brokerage as a place where you are, um, clarifying and distilling mm-hmm. and even shaping a personal brand is actually a much better and almost much more future oriented yeah. look at like how we support a selling agent group. It's generally something also that can't be replicated. Ah. Okay. So like if I've got about 50 agents that work with us in our Nashville market, if the only reason they were at Tyler York was the, the compensation plan and that we provided dot loop, Okay. Any other brokerage can do can replicate providing dot loop or or are using our compensation plans. Some companies have kind of ripped off our compensation. Good for them. I mean, we publish it. We have no secrets. It's on our website. What do we care? Um, 
if that's what's keeping agents at a brokerage, the grass will always be greener somewhere else. Okay. So I'm hearing you tell me an entirely different message than the words you just said. So I'm going to tell you what I just heard. Okay. Tell me. Yep. I'm hearing that you're building a brokerage that is an experience driven model mm-hmm. uh-huh. rather than a service based model. And this is something actually that I've done some uh, teaching uh, in the real estate yeah. community yeah. here locally around this concept that really all selling agents um, need to be focused more on creating an experience driven brand for their consumers rather than a service driven brand because service driven means that you are effectively potentially replaceable by software automation, God forbid, AI and, or some other disruptor tech disruptor with wall street money in the market. The service has to be great. Like no doubt it has to be great, but it can be replicated or the agent might not, you know, generally brokerages provide like this buffet of services. And sometimes the agents don't know how to walk up to it and even leverage the services that are being offered, okay? So they should have that. We have that. No one's at the company. Well, they, they might stay at the company generally because uh, I am super accessible. I demand of myself expert knowledge and things like um, our, our contracts, contract strategy, contract enforcement, dispute resolution. I have to be an expert in those things. If there's a crack in that service, uh, agents will be de- dissatisfied. And if I lose any amount of trust with my agents, that could bring everything down. Okay. Mm. This is a high, high trust environment. We've built 95% retention in our company over five and a half years because of trust. Mm. Okay. But the culture that we have is not synonymous with the service we provide. That experience that you're talking about, it's because we all are aligned on the same vision of excellence. And all value and practice, a hyper-specialized business model, not as a good way of doing business, but the only way that's worthy of doing business, that creates a culture that people can feel a part of. That's an agent experience to where like, I know you specialize in something that I don't do and I do something that you don't do. And if we need to partner with a client or promote, if I need to promote your listing or your business, it doesn't cost me anything to do that because we're really not competitors. You're doing something completely different than what I'm doing. It's a true real estate community in a way that is different than with the way we probably use that word a lot. Yeah. Um, it's a shared uh, group of leveraging resources. It's very, free- yes. And it's very freeing because when you get a call for a client who wants to buy 10 acres out in Leapers Fork and they weren't asking you all the septic permitting questions and you don't know how to handle all this stuff, that's okay. Because you call Maggie or you call Kristen because they're, they're the best in the world at that. And they're going to say, yeah, hey, this is going to be easy. I can totally help you with this. And I can just tell you how to do it. Or if you want to introduce me to the client, we can partner on this. Whatever you want to do, you know, high trust where it doesn't cost anyone else in the company to promote and support you. Yeah. That's game changer. Okay. What if my retention and the success of my brokerage service and experience or culture isn't dependent on me at all? What if it is felt peer-to-peer within the company so that you enjoy being at the company that you're at, not because of the leadership, that's part of it, but also because Maggie's here and because Kyle's here. And that high-trust environment is irreplaceable. Yeah, this is, this is the future. It's official. Um, <laughs> right. Because if it's only technology, who cares? Right, it's replaceable. It's re- it's, and, and it's not only replaceable by other brokerages, whether they're trustworthy or not, it's replaceable by Wall Street. Yeah, and we can't envision or imagine what the next disruption is going to be. So you have to be rushing towards the places where it's the least opportunity for disruption. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. It's Jake, director for the Business of Homes podcast. I hope you have been enjoying today's episode, starting with Charlie's feelings behind launching Tyler York, how his brokerage was different from the beginning, and the difference between training and coaching. When we return, Michael and Charlie dig into the issue with wide specialization, how to stand out in your neighborhood, and the brokerage model as a whole. We're diving into some of the best information we've had on the podcast, so make sure to keep listening. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Business of Homes Pod. 
where you can interact with us and see some great bite-sized pieces from all of our episodes. For you listeners out there, did you know our entire podcast are filmed and are on our YouTube channel? Check it out next time you want to see our amazing guests tell their stories. And are you currently watching this episode in video format? Don't forget to follow us on your preferred audio streaming service to take us with you on the go. Lastly, do you have any feedback or want to suggest someone for the show? Email us at thebusinessofhomespodcast at gmail.com. Please enjoy the rest of today's episode with Charlie Peterson. Let's get back to it. The brokerage model is antiquated. Yeah. And I would argue in some circles, the brokerage model is dead. It's no longer about selling real estate. It's about recruiting. Well, not only that, it's like the curtain's been pulled back Oz style of like, uh-huh. oh, just kidding. The brokerage isn't my friend. I'm the consume. I'm the yeah. target. I'm the mark. I'm the real estate agent that the brokerage is looking to acquire. They're not serving clients. Yeah. I'm serving clients. Yeah. And so we know that now, but you are breathing new life, in my opinion, into a brokerage model, which in general, I'm kind of wondering how much longer we have that brokerages exist. Yeah. Tyler York doesn't try to answer the question, what do agents need? That's what most brokerages do. How do we attract more talent? Well, we need support. We need brokers. We need office space. We need technology. That's the wrong, wrong question. It should be what do consumers need from agents? If we can identify what the consumer actually needs from a grassroots, local, hyper-specialized real estate professional, what that agent actually needs more brokerage gets really focused very quickly. And it's like, do they need some tech? Yeah, they don't need much. Do they need broker support? Yes. Uh, but depending on what that brokerage is trying to achieve, which is part of the problem in, in, in real estate, if you ask brokerages across our city, across the nation, what are y'all trying to achieve? They say, well, just market share. We just want to be bigger. Well, how big is big enough? I don't know. Okay, so you're scratching at this idea that to be more relevant, which is an outward sort of pushing energy, you have to be more inwardly local focused. And so our technology leverages us to further reach digitally, Mm -hmm. but we then have to almost diametrically opposite to that, we have to be focusing inward. Absolutely. Yeah. If you say that you are a realtor, and you specialize in Davidson County, Williamson County, Wilson County, and you do uh, residential sales, single-family homes, condos, and townhomes. That's your specialization. Immediately, there's no trust built because we know you can't do any of that. You really aren't going to be the best in the world at any of those things if you're trying to do all of that. Yeah, it doesn't pass the smell test to the it traditional work. consumer. It's like, okay, if, 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 you, um, if you're at... Uh, we don't go to Best Buy anymore per se, but let's say you go to Best Buy and you're looking at computers. Um, there's this giant section of Dells and HPs and, and whatever else. And it's like, well, these are business machines. These are created for you to do business. Um, they're, they're created for programs and function. Meanwhile, you go over to the Apple section and it's, we built this for you. We built something special for you. Because it's, it's a lifestyle piece. It's the same thing that Tesla did. Right. It's everyone else was trying to figure out fuel economy and design. And Tesla said, let's just reinvent the whole game. And why wouldn't realtors want to do that? Yeah, it, it's difficult because <clears throat> we want, especially early in business. Heck, you don't have to be early in business. It, wherever you are in your business, depending on your goal, you want more. Mm-hmm. And... Our little lizard brains tell us, well, we have to go wide to get more. Mm -hmm. And we sort of somewhere know that there's this depth of niche and depth of vertical, but like it's much harder for our lizard brains to sort of attach to that and and, and figure out how to get there. Or there's a doubt component. And and I'm not going to, this isn't some Tony Robbins thing here, but like there's a doubt component where we're like, well, statistically speaking, it's doubtful that I can be the person in the niche. And so if I kind of, play it safe and play it wide, mm-hmm. I'm just going to cast a large dragnet, mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a good recipe for burnout. Yeah. I mean, that's why we have agents that are going from Lebanon to Columbia to Clarksville trying to close just whatever they can. Yeah. And it's, is that who you want to be? It's not sustainable. You can't do it. 
Um, in this business, you have to list to live. Every successful agent in history really has been listings focused and their sellers become their buyers. If you want to be doing 40 transactions a year, don't get 40 sets of clients. Try and do 40 transactions a year with 20 sets of clients. Now your life just got a lot easier. And, it, um, and then if all of those sets of clients are also within a five mile radius of where you live to where now you're not just unignorable to a small subset, like sub uh, mar uh, market segment, you're irreplaceable to them. You've built trust, relationships. It's now your job just not to screw it up. Well, it goes back to this idea that sometimes I think in real estate gets missed, and that is the easiest customer to acquire is the customer that you already have. And Absolutely. the quickest way to yeah. a dollar is to re-monetize a customer that yeah. you've already earned a dollar with. Yeah. You know, And so if you are getting both sides of the transaction, so to speak, not on a single deal, but on a yeah. successive a number a of deals, sure. exactly, um, that's a much better use of time, classic two birds with one stone sort of analogy here. Mm -hmm. Um, than it is to try to acquire two buyers. And you aren't taking into account consumer behavior and adoption and attrition. Mm -hmm. And this whole idea of like a never ending chase of acquisition. Look, I I've been in business and it's a high volume business. Mm -hmm. And I know how to put on a show and I know how to acquire new clients mm -hmm. because sexy and cool and shiny and interesting are the things that I can deal in. But that depth of relationship yeah. over time has been learned that, oh, this is the way, this is the best path to the most rooted monetization. Mm -hmm. It's the easiest, less expenditure of time and mm -hmm. energy and effort moving forward. And honestly, at the end of the day, Ask anyone, you go to a networking event and someone says, I specialize in everything. What's your immediate thought? You say, mm -hmm. no, you don't. I don't believe you. Yeah, I don't believe you. You can't. It's really, we don't live yeah. in that. We've yeah. never lived in that when our world was much smaller. Sure. I know that the digital world has given us a brain space that is wider. It still doesn't work. We still can't be the realtor for all of America. You, I live in Williamson County. If someone says they specialize in Williamson County, no, you don't. Don't tell me you do Nolensville townhomes and Leapers Fork land. Because right. I know you don't. Yeah, Columbia I know you, and Brentwood. Because right? I know you don't. Yeah. You know, you're not doing Governor's Club and also doing Falcon Creek. Not with excellence. You can do it. You could do it. But uh, you're going to reach a point in your career and you should try and do it as fast as possible where you are scaling up in a very focused direction and farming out and delegating things that don't match exactly where you're going in your business. I'm glad you brought that up because I've talked before our business required personnel to grow. Okay. And because of that, we were always fighting the same formula in business that everyone fights, and that is, are you going to sacrifice quality? Yeah. Are you going to sacrifice availability? Are you going to sacrifice um, you know, pricing? I mean, what, what is going to be the sacrifice? Because if you're a single mm -hmm. solo practitioner, which most of the folks listening to this podcast and most folks in real estate are going to be some form of a single mm -hmm. solo practitioner... Um, something's going to give up. There's just not enough time of the day. There's not enough energy, mm -hmm. burnout, all that kind of stuff. But if you begin to farm leads to cohorts in other little mm -hmm. boroughs or build yeah. a team around you, both yeah. of which are great options, yeah. both can lead to additional dollars and allow individual specialization and a team working on behalf of a whole. And I don't see that happening as readily. I'm not sure what's being taught Here's why. in schools. Here's why. In real estate, it's because it's a low trust industry. For who? For agents to other agents. Mm. It's, it's from the consumer to the agent too. Sometimes from the agent to the broker, broker to the, sometimes. But agent to agent. It, it, this is why teams form small little companies within their larger company. Because they, they don't want to be so-and-so of the KW office or of the Compass office or whatever. They have their own system, their own identity, and their own small circle of trust to where they say, okay, if I can't take this client because it's outside of my specialization or my purview, whatever it is, I can send it to Michael because I know that's exactly what he does. This is the whole point of starting Tyler York, okay? Is what if an entire company was only comprised of people who were the absolute best in their small market segment? We don't have to for form teams. The company is its own team, acts as a team, even though we're not co-branding with each other all the time as a formal team. So. When I have a client that says, yeah, I want to sell this house in Franklin and I want to purchase a, a lake house in Henderson, Hendersonville, I don't know a damn thing about lake houses, okay? I don't want to do it. I don't want to be driving an hour away to do this either. But you know what? I can help them perform this part of their transaction and reach the real estate goals while, while also leveraging Katie in my office 
because she's the best at that. And I can say, yes, I can absolutely help you reach that goal. When we get to that point, I'm going to rope in Katie. She's my business partner that specializes in what you want to do. I'm going to take the supportive role. We're going to get you to the closing table. Okay. So high th- trust. But this is hard because we as humanity are not high trust. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting at some really interesting social dynamics that this givers get philosophy uh-huh. where I know it will come back to me. Yeah. The world feels like that's not true, even if it is true in certain ways. And this idea that you have to believe that when I give away that referral, someone is also going to be in this larger chain giving it back. Usually where I see this successful is when there is an inspiring leader at the front, mm-hmm. either a, like placing a framework you know, mm-hmm. on the people or providing them continual transparency and leadership sure. to sort of inspire this type of behavior. Because I don't think that natural chaotic entropy leads us to a place where we're trusting and passing and giving and then hopefully getting. Trust builds over time, obviously. Like this kind of business model requires time for people to really understand and see the value of it. But secondly, they really understand the importance of it when they've gone to Hendersonville 10 times. Yeah. And they've gone two hours each way, hour at the showing, and now they're, they've invested 30 hours into something that hasn't resulted in something. And they're thinking about, okay, I'm doing all this for a $15,000 commission. Okay, at some point, this is going to have a negative return. At some point, I've got to say, this is no longer worth my time. That's when they really start to get, oh yeah, this high trust model is really important. Maybe I should leverage the trust I have with this other person and have this sharing economy where, okay, Katie's going to take the lead. I'll get a commission share. Right. It, it's cra- so at our company, it's something crazy like one out of every six transactions has a level of commission share. That's bonkers. That, that's very unusual in our industry. Amazing. We hope to see that be a catalyst for inspiring other companies to do the same thing. Because usually in this industry, the more successful someone is, more transactions they're doing, higher price point they're doing, uh, the more miserable they become. I like to see that graph, the misery against volume sort of uh, metric. If you looked at the 10 top companies in Nashville and you said, show me your top 25 agents at those companies. You, those are not going to be the happiest people at those companies. Yeah. Th- I, this is why I felt early in my career. It's why I wanted to be a broker owner was I was at this amazing company, had a great broker and a great mentor. But when I looked at the top of that company, the more likely I was seeing marriages falling apart, mm. relationships with kids uh, falling apart, uh, greater levels of addiction. And I was like, man, something is broken here. And I realized it wasn't this company. This company was awesome. Uh, It was the culture of the industry. Yeah. This burnout piece is so just under the surface and not being discussed. And it all leads back to this concept of how is the brokerage leading? How are people being taught? How are they practicing? Mm -hmm. So commission share, as you put it, is nothing new. We've been sharing commissions sure. with brokerages for decades, but in a increasingly sort of streamlined brokerage model that's more and more mm-hmm. present, mm-hmm. Um, perhaps the alternative that makes it all make much more sense to not have to be driving to Timbuktu and back again is commission share with your fellow man and fellow woman mm-hmm. instead of with your broker. The broker's not building you and empowering you to become the all-in-one for the sure. all of Middle Tennessee. Right. No, it's connecting you to a web of leveraged resources so that the commission share, sure, a little bit goes back to the brokerage naturally, but that it's to your fellow man because you have a web of connection. It's a community. And when the trust is there, you stop, one, you stop thinking about, oh, what am I giving up by outsourcing this client to another agent? You don't think that way. You think, oh my gosh, it's so freeing to know that even though I specialize in Southeast Franklin, mid-90s subdivision homes, I don't have to be the expert on Leaper's Fork, septic system approval, and I don't have to be the expert at that. I can, I can be involved, I can help, but I'm gonna work with Kristen, who is the unignorable, irreplaceable expert at that, and we're all gonna look like heroes at the end of the day, and I'll make a good commission. So who you, wouldn't want that? You keep talking about housing stock subsets, geographic yeah. subsets. However, we are actually peeling back the layers of the business side yeah. of real estate even more to get to this place of, look, sphere mining 
mm-hmm. or lead acquisition mm-hmm. and lead development into clients is an entire skill unto itself. And for us to kind of insinuate that every solo or even team practitioner in real estate is going to be natively good at like farming a sphere and developing mm-hmm. leads into clients is absolutely ludicrous. Some right. are going to be good. Some are not going to be right. as good. So when we talk about these practitioners in certain niches ge- geographically or yeah. with a certain housing stock, these are servicers uh-huh. in a service of business sort of manner. And then really the lead acquisition is almost marketers uh-huh. or salespeople sure. in an element. And so yet further within this community, this uh, this new brokerage concept, you have those that, heck, I could almost begin to become a skilled lead developer and then my only my only business uh-huh. I don't service anyone all I do is refer and if mm-hmm. I was good sure. enough and my reach was far enough sure. perhaps I could be building almost an entire referral based business because I feel like that entrenches relationships puts people in an element of business and social debt which I think builds relationships totally um and Provides you a chance to focus on the thing you're good at rather than maybe yeah. trying to do both servicing and lead acquisition. You have to lead into your talents and what you're organically good at. I'm really good at geo farming because I love building relationships and knowing my neighbors and like providing value, promoting other people in my community. That's what I do all day. I love it. I'm, that's as an agent, that's what I do. Right. Uh, s- some of our agents in our company would rather poke themselves with needles than do that. <laughs> They want to look at acquisition costs. What's it going to cost us to tear down this lot and pitch to my builders to build two HBRs on this lot? Right. They do not need to be out building. They need to lean into their strengths of maybe it's investment and development acquisition. Maybe it's property type. It doesn't have to be a geo farming community-based specialization. It might be land or development or working with investors or flips or whatever it is, whatever you're interested. There is room for a lot of different kinds of skill sets and personalities in this industry. If I can give anyone listening to this that is earlier in their career, the advice is don't try to be someone that you're not. Don't try and go specialize in Green Hills luxury property, really, if that's not who you are. Unless you own Green Hills luxury property. If you're trying to think to yourself, oh my gosh, now how do I reach those people? If you have to ask that question, they're probably not your people. Yeah, that's tough. Yes, I mean, yeah. That's a tough reality to sort of buy. They're probably not your people. Yeah. Um, Identify who are you organically in flow with. We learned this from our uh, ninja selling uh, sales systems that a lot of realtors have gone through. Who are you in flow with? Who is organically part of your life? And if if you can't think of some subsets that make your SOI from church or the gym or school or neighborhood or whatever, you need to really figure out who it is that you're serving and why. What What do they need from Michael that the other dozen realtors they know can't provide? Right. If you can't answer that question, you're going to have a really hard time in this business. We don't yeah. need more realtors. Right. Like, you know, we're not shutting the door, but we don't need you. So we, in the grand scope, don't need more realtors. But who knows? Your sphere, whoever your mm-hmm. is, your sphere mm-hmm. might need a realtor in this manner. You know, not mm-hmm. all acting roles are right for the actor, right? Sometimes if, it's perfect. If agents can have crystal clear clarity on who they're here to serve and how they're going to do it and why. Oh, now all you got to do is put in the work. Most people try and put in the work without ever figuring out who, how, and why. Hmm. If you can start with that, then put in the work. Now you're moving in a very focused direction. And who cares that you, you know, you're doing 40, 50 transactions a few years into your business. What if 20, you're doing 25, 30 transactions, but they're all in a hyper-specialized niche where that you're irreplaceable to. And it doesn't matter what, Zillow or Open Door or OfferPad or Purple Bricks or whatever Wall Street's cooking up next to try and replace the traditional agent. What do we care? Because it's, it's going to take business away from agents who probably never belong here in the first place. They're not going to take business away from you. Yeah. You've built the trust. So there's this idea that it's hard to come up with specialization, but that the only way the consumer is going to notice and begin to know you, mm-hmm. like you, and eventually trust mm-hmm. you is through radically differentiating yourself. Sure. This, it's so easy for our lizard brains to sort of push us into, I want to be the essence of real estate professional. Uh-huh. And so I'm just going to keep upon myself those elements and those essences that make me yeah. look from the outside looking in 
like I'm doing real estate. But if you don't have something that is identifiable about you, if someone can't speak to that about you, then you have no brand. Because a brand, yeah. when you break it right down, is actually not what you say about yourself. It's about what others say about you. That's great. And yeah. so if you can't go to someone in your sphere of influence and say, what do you think of around business, or maybe not, mm -hmm. when you think of me? And if that isn't immediately identifiable, your brand isn't out there. And you can begin to influence your brand. Social media, of course, is mm -hmm. a big way to do mm -hmm. that. Um, but how you interact with people in your neighborhood or sure. the folks that you're already seeing, that's going to begin to build that differentiation. And so again, yes, for folks listening here, please, please listen to Charlie. Do not try to be all things to all yeah. people. It just doesn't work. It's a fallacy. This is why market segmentation is so important. And like what you were just saying about the brand being what other people are saying is it's almost like a palette for like, if, if you recommend to me a restaurant, uh, you don't even have to tell me much about it. Cause I know like if I trust your taste in restaurants, I'm just gonna be like, oh, if you say dressing and dar in the Hermitage Hotel, enough said. I don't need to ask about the menu or the service because I know your standards hmm. and that's trust. It's like, I can just, I can go in and be like, enough said. And that's really what we're trying to build is that people know our palate or yeah. know our brand. That's really the idea here. And if you are not able to be differentiated from that other realtor down the lane right. or at the brokerage, then your trustworthiness is watered down. Okay, so here's, here's the biggest problem in our in industry. There are 17,000 of us down the lane Oof. in Middle Tennessee alone, okay? So, and let's say of those 17,000, half of them have never done a real estate transaction. That's true. I don't know what it is. It's some, but like if you look at across most large brokerages, more than half have not closed a deal in the last year Ooh. of their agents. Okay. Consumers know this because consumers, you know, let's say every person knows roughly six realtors. They don't trust five of them. Okay. Cause you know, it's, uh, it's a hobby. They don't do it professionally. And so why would you trust someone to handle your biggest financial asset hmm. that just does this for a hobby? Well, so how do you raise the bar? Well, usually, bro I'm getting on my soapbox, if that's all right for a second here. Yeah, man. Usually brokerages and realtor associations point the finger at the state and say, well, it should just be harder to get a real estate license. I think that's completely wrong. In fact, the, my libertarian brain thinks that just whatever the state thinks is a good idea probably isn't good anyways. Love it. Who cares even if there is a real estate license? Like having an affiliate broker's license doesn't allow you to practice real estate anyways. You have to affiliate with a broker and practice underneath them, okay? So who are the real gatekeepers for the professionalism and the standard in the industry? It's the brokers. Stop taking on everyone that has a real estate license and a pulse. If you want to change the game, elevate the industry, create some standards where we can build consumer trust again, it's the brokers that have to stand up and say, no, I think it's on us. Maybe we need to change our hiring practices. But because uh, brokers has learned long ago, if we have so many agents on our roster, paying $100 a month in monthly dues, we don't have to sell any real estate to be profitable. They're a recruiting company. That's why I, I have a fundamental problem with any company that charges monthly dues. Look, if you're, if you're one of my agents and, I, and I'm devoted to your success, I don't want you to pay me anything. I'm going to make you successful. I'll get, I'll get a commission share from the business that you produce. I make money when you make money, period, end of statement. If you're not making money, I don't make anything from you. That means as a broker, I better elevate you. I better show you how to do this and coach you, keep you accountable, and let's, let's go make some moves in the market. Yeah, I like that. That's something that I've been incorporating in business for a number of years, and this idea of tying our fates together. And that our, and this is a bit of a social soapbox in and of itself, okay. but that we shouldn't be getting ahead on the backs and the work of others, but that the leverage that we can provide as leaders or as, you know, owners or as, you know, a team leader, sure. um, you know, it must be a way for you to connect back to whatever the work is. And so I think the brokerage model is due and ripe for this disruption because in a lot of ways, it's been disrupted of all of its essential values multiple times over the last yeah. handful of decades to, to an extent that I think many brokerages are failing to provide real value. Sure. And which is why your brokerage continues to be a breath of fresh air yeah. in the marketplace and why there's almost nothing bad to say 
about yeah. Tyler York out there because yeah. you guys are looking at it almost opposite and different yeah. than the way the other broker is. It's not the realtors are your client and you're just looking to serve them. No, you're continuing to keep your eyes on the prize that there is a larger consumer base that needs service. Totally. And it's about leveraging those that are doing the servicing. I think of the brokerage world sort of like the luxury hotel space. And Tyler York is the Ritz-Carlton. Now, here's the problem. The Waldorf Astoria is across the street. There's the Holiday Inn. We got the W. We have, it's like, it would not, if you're a guest in my hotel, it's not like it's hard for you to check out and go across the street to the Waldorf. It would be mildly annoying for you to have to pack your bags and move across the street. Okay. I got about 50 agents in my company. All of them could be at a different brokerage this afternoon. All of them. It would be mildly annoying for them to print new cards. You know, that's it. So why are they at Tyler York? Brokerages right now are racing to the bottom mm. of who can be the cheapest. We're a hundred percent. We provide you all this. Okay, great. Race. Can't wait to see who gets there first. You know, um, it's a business model. I don't like, but I like that it's in the marketplace. Okay. I, I like that different brokerages exist for different, different agents. Totally fine. It's not my jam, but, uh, I, I like, you know, I, I love that Zillow tried to get in the brokerage game. Good. Shake things up. Get in for our brokerage is it is all about vision alignment. This is very different than, than other brokers. It's a culture of excellence and a business model of hyper-specialization to become irreplaceable to a small market segment. That's not something we think is a good business model. We think it is the only business model worthy of an agent pursuing. Hmm. So there's inherently within that is an element of sustainability mm-hmm. and a focus on long-term business practice rather than short-term gain. You, you referenced earlier this idea of like, oh, I did 40 or 50 transactions last year. Cool. What are you going to do over the next 10 years? Yeah. What's the volume? Do you have a sustainability-based model and a sustainability-based support system? Sure. And, and your orientation to that is, is really different because if I'm playing a long game as a broker, there's not a lot of financial return in it for me right this moment. Sure. And so you have to have a bit of an expanded vision and going back to like things that we as humans are bad at and that, you know, that long vision is hard. And uh, it's, no one becomes a real estate broker because of the money. If I wanted to make more money, I'd be a selling agent. Okay. Uh, I found that my niche and what I've felt the most fulfilled by in this industry was to be a broker owner. Okay. So let me preface that with agents who think they're brokers are just rolling in it. Listen, they're not. They're, they're working it. Uh Oh, spoiler alert. Like they're not, they're here because they love you and they are really fulfilled by helping you succeed. Um, and uh, I think the, the reason why we've done well, I think is because we have a very clear set of ideals and that I would love to give this advice to brokers listening, but also to agents in their own respective businesses that don't let anyone stand in your way of achieving what you specifically want to do in this business. No one thought Tyler York was a good idea. Okay. No one thought, oh, let's build a company that only does hyper-specialization. Uh, that sounds like a broker that's always going to be struggling, really. Mm. Who's, who's going to align with that? Well, it turns out, you know, five and a half years later, we have 95% uh, percent retention of our agents. That's because no one's joining us because of our compensation plans. Like, we're a moderately affordable company to be at. We're not the cheapest. Some agents from cheaper companies join us. Some, some agents from more expensive companies join us, okay? But um, this isn't a commercial for Tyler York, but for anyone listening, it's the people you're going to do business with, your clients, your business partners, your broker. What is it that makes you irreplaceable in the market to where others might align with your vision and say, wow, you're doing something pretty cool. I want to go with you. I want to join you on this. And when when you tell a neighborhood, hey, I'm in real estate. Okay, who cares? They know a ton of people in real estate. And they say, I'm in real estate and I've built my product around you. Okay, that's interesting. Now when they back that up with, now here's what I've built for you and here's the value I'm going to provide you. Hmm. And here, here's, the, uh, here's my vendor list and here's my services I'm providing in the neighborhood. Here's my monthly CMA of what I'm doing. And when it's custom tailored to somebody, it builds trust 
and it's helpful for brokerages, for businesses. What I mean, I think of the de- the developers and the builders we work with. They're not building their product for everybody. They know who they're building that product for. Yeah, if they we, veer off of that, anytime someone d- like diverges away from what is uh, clearly their vision, it never works. It's like those are the clients that are going to give you the most headache. Yeah, going back to the digital space, we have been lulled into thinking that our ideal client is the everyman. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. And mm-hmm. the best marketers at even the Fortune 500 companies have a very, very specified consumer um, avatar Mm -hmm. to sort of make sure that they're always focusing their marketing on a certain niche of consumer. Sure. And so I I think that's a good uh, piece of encouragement for anyone listening that if you can't readily identify kind of what your consumer avatar is and kind of say, yeah, my friend who lives in this place and has this kind of product is more or less kind of the kind of person I'm trying uh-huh. to sell real estate to or, or serve yeah. in that manner, then you need to do a little bit of a deep dive. Sure. Real estate constantly lulls you into the idea, especially with our market, that like, I don't really need to do these hardcore deep dives into business practice or into personal development because I will incidentally acquire enough experience where if I can stick it out long enough, I'm going to be great. Sure. And it's just not been true historically. Mm. It's certainly not true in other industries. Mm. And I would say it's not true in other markets. Survival rate, of course, in this industry is notoriously terrible. Um, attrition ratio. Yeah. But the best practitioners that we can look at, and really kind of the reason behind the storytelling on this podcast, is about the business yeah. and the entrepreneurism yeah. behind it all. And those that have these beautiful, clear visions and these very codified philosophies they survive because the public and their consumers that they're going after recognize that. And the truth is we all want to follow like an inspired doer or an inspired leader or some combination thereof. And so we are no different in our own consumer behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's, I mean, this has been really, really great for us to be able to kind of look a little bit different at the brokerage model, and some of those less visible pieces of the business behind yeah. a what I would call future-oriented mm-hmm. brokerage model. Um, I, I think we have probably a lot more to share that could also even go into another podcast, but we'll wrap it up for today. And Charlie, amazing stuff. I would highly recommend that everyone take a moment, get online, find Charlie, start following um, him. He's definitely a thought leader in this space and someone worth watching. Um, and I really appreciate the time you've given us today. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, man. Anytime, Michael. Yeah, buddy. Hey, everyone. Jake again, director for the Business of Homes podcast. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. A huge thank you to Charlie Peterson for being a part of the podcast. Go follow him on Instagram at charlie.peterson1 and let him know how much you enjoyed his story. Don't forget to subscribe on your preferred listening platform and make sure to follow us on Instagram as well at the business of homes pod. Do you have any feedback or want to suggest someone for the show? Email us at the business of homes podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you again soon.